the Accessible South Africa podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss travel in South Africa and beyond for persons with disabilities and special needs. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. And now, on with the show. talking to Nikki Agdenor. Over the past few years, Nikki has been traveling extensively in South Africa and internationally through her work as an international inspirational speaker. And we asked Nikki to share some of her stories of travel with us on the podcast. As usual, we have a service provider spotlight where we're recognizing the efforts of a venue or accommodation that are accommodating the needs of those of us with disabilities. If you know of a venue, a restaurant, some accommodation that is accessible and takes the needs of persons with disabilities into account, we'd love to hear from you. Also, if you know of travelers with disabilities who love to get out there and experience the world, we'd also love to chat to them and hear their stories. You can email us on podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za or tweet us on at AccessibleSA. And now, let's chat to me. international speaker, clinical psychologist, and the founder of the non-profit organization, Nikki's Drive. How are you today, Nikki? Hi, Lois. Great, thanks. And thanks for having me on the show. Well, it's great that you've managed to take the time to come and talk to us a little bit about your experiences and your travels. Just to start off with, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm based in Cape Town, and I'm finding myself more often traveling, not only domestically, but also internationally, part of my speaking career and also visiting families. So when I heard about this blog and podcast, I thought this is the perfect opportunity to share some of my story. I was born without arms, and I always joke that I wasn't born without attitude. And for me, accessible travel is a huge passion. I've learned many lessons over the years, and I'm also very passionate about travel, not only air travel, but also driving. I drive a specially adapted car that was donated to me many years ago by somebody in the UK, and that is what inspired me to start Nikki's Drive, which is a non-profit that funds car adaptions for people living with disabilities in South Africa. That sounds like an amazing organization, and I'm, I'm sure we can um, share some of the contact details with, for Nikki's Drive a little bit later. 
You mentioned your travels, that you're passionate about traveling and particularly about accessible travel. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the travels that you've experienced? Well, I've traveled overseas for some time now because like many South Africans, my family lives far apart. So I have a sister living in the UK and my brother is based in America. So over the years, I've traveled to visit them. And then also as my speaking business grew as an inspirational keynote speaker, I was very fortunate enough to have more opportunities to travel to speak at conferences. So my first overseas invitation was for America. And I've also now been to Australia twice, to the Middle East and Europe. So it's really exciting to expand my travels through the work that I do and I love. Along with that, I'm sure that you must be very involved in speaking locally in South Africa um, in terms of accessible travel and, and, and that side of things. You must have experienced a lot of different conference venues, accommodation, hotels, restaurants and venues in South Africa as you've traveled with your speaking. Yes, for sure. And I think that one of the main routes, I think as many Capetonians would agree for work, is to Johannesburg. So I, I get to travel around the country, which I'm always actually impressed by the, the opportunities for disability access when it comes to flights. Um, accommodation can always be a little bit tricky and also conference venues. I think one of my my pet gripes about conference venues is that so often a stage only has stairs and no ramp and I'm very passionate about universal access which is mm. access for all. I think everybody can manage to go up a ramp onto the stage but not everybody can climb stairs. And, you know, often I feel like this is almost an indirect message to say that the people that will be on stage will not have a disability, and that's why we only need stairs. So whenever I have the opportunity, I speak to conference organizers and venues. One of my favorite venues in Cape Town is definitely the Century City Conference Center, which has really taken extra steps to be more accessible, and it's an incredible venue for anyone to use. Well, that's good to hear. And maybe we can just dig into a little bit of the logistics of how it is that you travel. What are some of the challenges that you face? Well, first of all, because of the nature of my disability, I do need to travel with an assistant. And that always poses challenges. Obviously, financial challenges is that it's um, double travel fees. But I find that in making travel accessible for me, if I have an assistant, then it doesn't always matter what's on the other side. I can plan ahead, but then I know that um, I'm okay that I'll have somebody to assist if needed. Um, one of the logistical challenges is using a wheelchair. While I'm not in a wheelchair 24-7, I do use a wheelchair for long walking distances, and I make use of a motorized wheelchair which I use my right shoulder to operate. And I have made the decision not to travel on a flight with that motorized chair because of the dangers of it being damaged. Mm. So there are many stories out there of people with disabilities that have had motorized chairs damaged in the hold of the aircraft. 
So I choose to travel with a manual wheelchair, which has its pros and cons. It's easy to get into cars when you're on the other side, but obviously then I need to rely on my assistant to to push me around, so to speak. <laughs> I can see it's a, sometimes a give and take between what your options are and, and what's going to work out as the best solution. Yes, for sure, and I think that's so important. You need to have that flexibility, and sometimes you do have to make certain sacrifices to know that on the other side you'll be okay. I mean, I would not like to land in a foreign country and then find my motorized chair doesn't work and then I am literally stuck. Whereas yeah. with a manual wheelchair, it's more robust. I know that I will be okay on the other side. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. And like yourself, I've heard some horror stories of people getting to the other side and finding that their wheelchair has been a bit damaged and that they haven't been able to use it. So it sounds like it's a problem um, in terms of the airlines that can occur. You were mentioning that you aren't able to really use your uh, motorized wheelchair when you travel, but what kind of technologies do you make use of to assist you in your travels, both in the preparation and in the implementation of your travels? I don't think I use anything unique to people with disabilities. I mean, the main app that I always go back to is TripAdvisor. I always find that it's it's very helpful in getting recommendations, and I've actually found quite a number of amazing restaurants or you know fun activities to do based on TripAdvisor reviews. You can also pose questions. So sometimes I will pose a question about wheelchair access of a particular venue or event, and you'd get responses from people that have been there before. And something I also love to do is, before I'm going to somewhere completely new, is to Google if there are any videos or blogs about the accessibility of that city. And one that I found very useful was when I went to Amsterdam for the first time in April. And I found an incredible blog by um, a person using a wheelchair. And they gave great advice on using the buses and the, all the public transport and a few areas to watch out for because of the cobbled pave waves. So I really found that useful and it made me get a sense also of what to anticipate. It's something that I've been observing over the last few months is the number of um, sites that are popping up that deal specifically with accessible travel and it's really gratifying to see the amount of information that people are willing to share and I think it really really does help those of us who are traveling just to have an understanding of what challenges, what opportunities and, and what access we might be able to find before we even get there. Yes, exactly and I think that that knowledge is power and to be prepared and make different choices for yourself that you know will make it more comfortable. Absolutely. So you've spoken already about some of the challenges in terms of airline travel, but what are the end of um, accessing stages when you speak? But what are some of the other challenges that you've found in your travels and how have you overcome those? Well, a lot of people that will, will know me on a personal level know that I've had a couple of struggles with visa applications this year. You know, the one delightful aspect about having a South African passport is you've got to 
apply for visas wherever you travel. So I always see it on the light-hearted perspective, but I think when you're in the moment, you're quite stressed out. Um, but what I've found is that I had two experiences this year which were a bit daunting in getting visas. The first was to get a Schengen visa to get to Amsterdam. Um, my time was quite limited in terms of, of obtaining the visa. And I've done visa applications for Australia, the UK, the USA, and I've always found the fact that I have no arms not to be an issue at all. It's almost like um, they just tick a box and move on to the next point when it comes to fingerprints. And I think this is because actually a lot of people that are older or have done very manual jobs in their lives don't even have fingerprints, so it's not only about disabilities. Um, but then with my Schengen visa, I literally was waiting on tender hooks to get this, and then I had a phone call to say that they can't process it because they don't have my fingerprints. So I thought, yeah, this is hilarious, funny, and then I said to the lady, well, you know, the, the situation is that I don't have any arms, and she was incredibly apologetic, and she said, no problem, she'll make a note, the person who did the application had made a mistake. And then the next day I get another phone call to say that they need a doctor's letter to confirm that I have no arms. So I don't know, I think I lost my sense of humor for a little while. <laughs> it was a chaotic experience. I was actually away speaking at a conference as well um, to try to get hold of my doctor to actually write a letter to say that Nikki has no arms. So phew, was I relieved that two days later when that visa did in, end up coming through and what a relief. So I'll know in future to make it very clear that I have no arms and maybe bring along a doctor's letter. Yeah, I think in some cases being prepared is the answer. And sometimes I know we do have to go to really extreme lengths to make certain that we have documentation or verification to cover every possible remote Yes. <laughs> but that that's certainly, wow, I don't wonder that you had a sense of humor failure, but <laughs> I did see the Facebook posts about that, and I did notice that your sense of humor definitely came back fairly quickly. Yes, I was tempted to send the lady a, a topless selfie just to prove it. That's how <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my word. So, in just in terms of you know what you've already shared with us a number of stories of, of some of your experiences, but what are some of your favourite stories from your travels? I think for me, you know, one that sticks into my mind is um, going to America a few years ago, and um, I was actually travelling with my parents. We were going to visit um, my brother in America, and you, you know as most people know going through American immigration can be quite daunting. You know, they're quite aggressive and strict and you, you know you've got to answer a lot of questions and even though we were going on the best intentions, I always joke that after a very long flight, um, my parents tend to get a bit tongue tied. And so I said to them before, and don't worry, I'll answer all the questions. So this immigration officer kept spelting our questions of when we're arriving, when we're leaving, who we're staying with. And he kept looking at my parents, but then I would always answer all the questions. <laughs> so eventually he looked at me and he said, are you the ringleader? 
which I thought was very funny because my, my parents used to call me the general because I always make decisions in the family. So now I've got a new nickname, the ringleader. <laughs> I quite like that, that, that concept of leadership. And I think that's actually a very important skill for us as people who travel um, with, with disabilities because we need to understand that there's a certain element of leadership and control that we need, or confidence that we need to show. I know, and that's actually one of the, the bits of advice I can give to people is that you need to be approachable as well because I know that I've got specific needs when I'm traveling and whether it's I'm booking accommodation or a flight or a car and you need to have a positive approach with people because people are not always wanting to go the extra mile because maybe they're underpaid or unhappy in their jobs. So when you get to the counter or you pick up the phone to ask for your needs, it's important to be approachable, be positive, and explain to people in detail because mm -hmm. they might have experience of one disability but not understanding your specific needs. That's so, so true. I think that helps so much. Yeah, and I think it's so true because even just looking at my own experience as as someone who's blind, my strengths, my needs are very different from someone else who's blind. So yeah. that ability to be very clear about what we're needing and yet, as you say, approachable. Yes. Well, that's great. So from there, if we move on to sort of what message would you give to a service provider to help them make their services, their venues, more accessible for someone with a disability who's traveling? Well, I think first and foremost is to include people with disabilities in the planning of your events and your venue and your accommodation because too often people without disabilities are making decisions and they're not based on personal experience. So sometimes people want to put a, a ramp up on the stage and then I arrive at a venue and the ramp is about a 90-degree angle. So um, I'm going to opt for the stairs and <laughs> So I think it's really important to include people with disabilities. I think more information is better. So for me, what is very powerful is to be able to see photographs of places. So I've booked at a guest house before where also I was um, told that there was one step to the entrance, but there was a ramp from the car park. And I should have asked for a photograph because when I arrived, I realized the ramp was quite a dangerous one. It's not one that I would want to be pushed in a wheelchair. So I had to basically climb up and down a little mini Kilimanjaro each day. Um, and another piece of advice is also to use service providers that are making an actual difference. And one of them, I think, domestically is Fly Safi. I really want to give a shout out to them because their processes with having passengers on board with disabilities, it's so um, streamlined. You know, when you book your flight, you just literally have to click a box to say that you will need assistance, and then there's a drop-down box for what specific disability you have, can you walk upstairs, what are your specific needs. It takes less than a minute to fill it out, and then you book your flight. Whereas other airlines insist the phone through a call center, then you've got to speak to somebody that doesn't really understand your disability and ends up 
logging it incorrectly. And then they say, oh, phone back in two days to find out if it's, if it's approved. I mean, it's very stressful and time-consuming. So I think if more um, companies just follow the advice of places that are really getting things right, it could make our travel so much easier and more pleasant. That's fantastic advice. Thank you, Nikki. So, any future travel plans? Well, I do have quite a few travel plans in the pipeline for next year, and one particular plan is to go to New York. It's always been on my bucket list, so I've got a special birthday. I won't give away my age here, but a special birthday coming up next year. So I thought that I need to go to New York. So that's still in the pipeline. I'm just planning the right time to go. And knowing that New York is not one of the most accessible um, cities in America, so I need to make sure that where I'm staying it's going to be comfortable and plan a few trips and see what is going to be the best option for me in terms of that trip. But I'm very excited and I've been keeping a list of places to go and see. New York is certainly one of those cities that never seems to sleep. I've had no. the privilege of, of visiting there <laughs> twice. So wow. I wish you luck as you go forwards with your plans for that trip. Thank you. Nikki, where can people contact you if they want to reach out to you about any of the conversations we've had on this podcast? I think the best way is to go onto my website where I've got all my contact details, telephone number, email address, um, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, everything's on there. And it's www.nikki, N-I-C-K-Y, and my surname, Abdenor, which I know is a tricky one, A-B-D-I-N-O-R.com. Alternatively, you can contact Nikki's Drive, um, which is also N-I-C-K-Y-S, drive.com. That's super, and we'll um, share those, the websites, on the show notes as well. So thanks for that, and we appreciate that. As a final question, part of what we want to do with this, uh, these interviews is to inspire other persons with disabilities who perhaps want to get out and see a bit more of the world, but are a bit anxious about doing so. What message would you share with them to inspire them to get out and travel? Well, I think that your, your, just your perspective is so much greater when you travel to other countries and meet different people of different cultures. I think it's an incredible opportunity to learn about other services in different countries um, to find out what's available for people with disabilities and bring those thoughts and ideas back home and see if they can be implemented. Um, I think my main advice is to have a solutions-focused perspective. So when you're planning on going to a new city or a new country, it's to think about all the possible obstacles and what kind of solutions there could be to overcome them also be a bit flexible in how you're going to adapt to them, but also to have realistic expectations. So I know that there are certainly a couple of countries or cities that I wouldn't find accessible at all. 
Yeah, I think uh, somebody recently told me about a trip to Morocco, and it sounds absolutely beautiful, but I'm not convinced that it's going to be very accessible for someone in a wheelchair. So just to realize that there might be some places that won't be as easy as others, but then see what you can do to overcome them. Contact local people, find out um, if there are organizations for disabilities, that might have some ideas of how to get around that. Maybe, who knows, maybe in Morocco there are certain streets that are concrete and not cobbled and can be accessible um, so that you know that you're not missing out. Um, I think that it's an incredible opportunity to travel and I would, I would hate somebody to be sitting at home thinking that it's because of their disability that they're not going to travel. That's fantastic words and thank you for that that message, Nikki. Today we've been speaking to Nikki Abdenor, who's an international speaker, clinical psychologist, and the founder of the non-profit organization Nikki's Drive. And as we've shared with Nikki today, she's had some fantastic travel experiences through her life and her speaking business. Nikki, thanks so much for coming and sharing a little of your journey with us on the Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. Thank you so much and happy traveling. spotlight we like to recognize those venues restaurants and accommodations that take the needs of persons with disabilities into account today we're traveling to Roshapan Nature Reserve which is situated 25 kilometers north of Feltdrift up the west coast of the Cape Roshapan is a nature and marine reserve that teems with bird life and beautiful wildflowers at the site there are eight eco-friendly cottages, four of which are designed with the needs of persons with disabilities in mind. Each self-catering cottage can sleep five adults or four adults and two children under 12. We encourage you to find out more of the details at the Accessible South Africa website on www.accessiblesouthafrica.com. .co.za. There you'll find photographs, a list of the accessible features of the site, a map, and you'll also be able to contact them directly through our website. As always, we encourage you to do this to ensure that your specific accessibility needs can be met. If you've been traveling recently and know of locations, venues, restaurants or accommodation that meet universal design, we'd really like to hear about them and possibly feature them in future episodes of the Service Provider Spotlight. So please drop us an email on podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za or on Twitter at AccessibleSA.
that's it for this time. You can find out more about us on the web at www.accessiblesouthafrica.co.za, on Facebook at Accessible South Africa, or on Twitter at Accessible SA. You can also email us on podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za. Editing was done by Deirdre Gower, and our theme music was by Luigi Chow, based on a motif by Lois Strachan. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.